So, so many of you have been here. We're in a series called Room for More. And this is a, a bit of a crazy season in the life of America. You got Black Friday, followed by you know, Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday. My favorite email that got, came in this morning, you know, final chance for Cyber Monday week. Like you just couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't leave it with Monday. This is the season of giving. This is the season of shopping. It's a season of trees and parties and celebrations. And in that, what we want to do is enjoy all that God has done and make the most of the holiday without getting caught in the trap. It's 21 days, right? And so the pressure gets on, especially if you don't have Amazon Prime. And you're trying to figure out, what, what am I going to get? Well, there's room for more. But not just more stuff or more people. There's, there's room for us to grow and live more like Jesus. Because that is the point of Christmas. That we would look to him and want to see what Jesus is like and live like him. So we're going to continue our conversation in Romans 12. So far we've looked at prophecy and what that means. And serving and teaching and encouragement. Today we want to focus on giving. Which is so appropriate given the time, the calendar, the year that we're in. So let's look to Romans 12. You have it, verses 5 through 8. We've been reading it every week. Let's read it again. For just as each of us is one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Jesus the Messiah, we though many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And this is where he lists them out. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Not everyone is going to prophesy as often. Not everyone may even prophesy. But as God grants you the faith to trust him, do your part. And then it goes on to the others. If it's serving, then serve. The implication, the way this is written, would be in accordance with your faith. All of these are in accordance with the way God has wired you. If it's teaching, then teach in accordance with your faith. It's, if it's to encourage, then give encouragement in accordance with your faith. And then the phrase for today, if it is giving, then give gener generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If it is to give, give generously. Now, if you're new to church or Jesus or just invited by a friend, any conversation about money when it comes to faith can be a bit touchy. And it may sound strange and even a little self-serving, right? Disclaimer, I am paid by the elders of this church who have funds because you give. So we want to just throw it out there. That, that it, it can seem a little weird. It doesn't have to. All I want you to do is hang in to the end because it's about more than money. All of these expressions of the Holy Spirit, remember the Holy Spirit is the gift. So when, when God comes to live in us by the Holy Spirit, God's presence is going to show in teaching and encouragement and in prophecy and in generosity. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at the two aspects, because there's many, but at least two this morning of giving the what and then the how. The what of giving and then the how. Okay, start with the what. What is generosity or giving all about? Why is it here and what is it all about? Paul doesn't go in Romans 12 into great detail about how we express generosity, but he tells us what to do. If your gift, if the expression of the Spirit is giving, do it generously. But what he does do in a couple of other places, we'll look at one. He tells a church, one in Corinth, about, about what 
giving is and how to do it faithfully. So what I want to do, we're going to come back because the how will come back to Romans 12. When we think about what giving is, what generosity according to Scripture is about, let's look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I'll put it on the screen, but go home today, read all of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I'm just going to highlight a few statements, starting at the beginning of chapter 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that, was give, that God had given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their own ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. I'm going to ask that you take some notes. Get that note on your app. Or get a little piece of paper because we want to be clear about what giving is. At least three things we can see about the what. What is giving about? I think firstly, giving is about God's character. We're going to see it in, in 2 Corinthians 8. When we give, we begin to reflect what God is like. When we give, we're not just meeting the needs of the church. We're not just meeting people's needs. We display the very heart of God. So what do we know? There is a church because Paul was a church planter and connected with lots all around the Roman Empire. And the church in the region called Macedonia, they were uh, materially more poor than those in Corinth. So many in Corinth had more material resources. But what Paul does is he uses the other church as an example of what every church and every Jesus follower ought to look like. So so what do we see in God's character? Notice again, the grace that God had given the Macedonian churches. God's full of grace. God gives us what we don't deserve. God is generous with us. So when we give, we're reflecting back that we are God followers. We're Jesus followers. And so because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are generous towards people who frankly sometimes don't deserve it. You know, as a parent or as an adult, sometimes you withhold things from those who are under your care. Because you're like, man, they don't deserve it right now. You take it away. And what if God were like that with us? What if God's goodness to you was dependent on your goodness? Man, we'd be in trouble. But rather, we see in the Bible that God is gracious to people that often even don't deserve it. And he takes one step that we put towards him and he multiplies it with his presence. So God's gracious towards us. So what happens? They gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. What do we know about God's character? Yes, he's full of grace, but God is also sacrificial. The churches of Macedonia, they were sacrificing. Why? Because God is like that. Think of the Christmas story. It's the story. It's the reminder that God sacrifices, doesn't he? God sees that we're rebellious. He sees that we don't listen. God sends messengers for centuries saying, I'm here. I love you. I want you close. Here are my ways. Follow my ways. And we say, no, thank you. I'm content with myself. No, thank you. And so God sacrifices to the greatest degree in that he steps into the very time and space that he created. He steps in. And he puts himself in the humblest place. He comes born as a baby. 
And so God learns how to walk. And God learns how to talk. And God gets a head cold. And God goes to school. God. He comes in the humblest. He sacrifices for our good. This is the story of the gospel. The story of the gospel is that it's by grace that you've been rescued through faith and not of anything that you have done because this is the gift of God. And we need to be reminded that when I give, when we give, what we're doing is we're stepping into God-likeness. It's not that we become God, but we become like him. And he's full of grace and he's, he's full of sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 9, just going down the list. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You're going to be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We see first that giving is about God's character. The second thing, and I don't want you to miss, write it down. Giving is about God's provision. Whenever I live generously, what am I reminding myself? I rem I'm reminding myself that God will, in fact, provide. As a matter of fact, as long as I earned it with my paycheck or some inheritance or some sort of favor, as long as I think I have it and I hold on to it, I'm going to be tempted to think that everything is about me. It's my money and my resources and my family and my business and my and my and my. But actually the practice of generosity, it's, re it's remembering God is gracious and God is sacrificial. Therefore, I get to be that way. God has created me for it and I get to step into him. But at the same token, I also remember that God is the ultimate provider. And every good gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. And there's no shifting of shadows. God isn't sketchy. He's clearly generous to his people. So I'm reminded that God's character is there and his provision. So what does he say? You're going to be enriched in every way so that on every occasion you can be generous. We have to remind ourselves that part of the reason God gives us anything is because he, he's about something. And the way he's going to do his work is in and through his people. So God's gracious, I want to become gracious. God's generous, so I want to become generous. And I love, I love what we have here, the, the seed analogy. He gives seed to the sower. And in, the, in our case, it's not most of us aren't agriculturally based and we don't you know, make our living in agriculture, but it's a great analogy. Seed to the sower. And some of what the farmer gets is to eat, right? If you go out there and you do crops, hopefully you're going to enjoy some of it. But there's more. So as you go to sow, you, you go to expand, and what is small ends up becoming larger so that more people can eat. Now, that may be your livelihood. Nothing wrong with that. But the concept and the, the word picture is so helpful. God gives you because he wants you to eat. He has enough for you, and he wants you and I to learn. You need to learn to trust him that part of what he's given to me, this farm, this land, this seed, this soil, all of this stuff, is not just intended for my personal consumption. It's intended for others. Small things become big things, and God does something bigger. So you're going to be enriched in every way. All right, so God's character and God's provision. One more thing I want us to see, and we'll look at how. We'll be super practical. 
God's grace, yeah, his character. And then God's provision. The, the third thing is in 2 Corinthians 9.13. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Mind you, I didn't read all of the verses in between. It's worth your time. All of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But what we're going to see here is the third aspect, and we can't miss this. It's huge. Not only is it about God's character and about God's provision, but it's about, giving is about God's mission. What Paul does is he connects the dots. When we give, we partner with God in what he's doing in the world. So God has a mission, and God is actively the story of Christmas the story of the coming of the Savior and his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension and his authority over all things and his promise to return and make the world anew. All of that is what God is about. And when I give, I'm stepping in to what God is doing. How many of you would love, if you're going to start a business, a quality partner, investor? How many of you would say, if I'm going to start a business, I want someone with integrity? Well, think about it. In life, as you and I learn to grow in generosity, we are linked with God. Now, if I'm going to trust my resources to someone to do investments, I would want to know that they have a track record that's good, right? And that they're not going to cheat and that they're going to take it and make the most of it. And when you and I give and trust God with, with his resources, because by the way, they're his, when I entrust God himself with his resources and say, God, you're, whatever you're doing in the world, I'm like with you. Man, the ultimate partnership. And that's not bringing God low. That's just telling it like it is. God wants us to trust him and to take his resources and use them. And in the end, notice the phrase, others will give praise to God because of your generosity. So Paul knows this firsthand. He is with this, at this time, you got to realize, right now, our, our church has multiple bank accounts, right? We have savings and we have uh, a, a generosity account that goes out the door and we have a general fund account and all that. Paul and the, and the early movement, people didn't get who Jesus was, but they wanted to spread the good news. So they went from place to place. How do you, how do you fund church planting back in the day? Today we can wire funds and we can send a check. We can easily take care of the mission. And Paul and his company, they're like depending on sending a friend over to a city and saying like, we need food and supplies, could you help us out? We're trying to do Jesus work. And so the church collects some money or goods and they physically send it, no wire. They send it by persons, by people, and they go to the other city and say, look, I know things are tough here, but our brothers and sisters, they love us and they want to see Jesus' name spread we're joining in the mission of God together. So our generosity isn't, it is about money. Don't get me wrong. It's about God using real resources, and our economy is mostly cash or credit. Most of us don't trade animals, okay? We have accounts. So those assets are gifts of God to be used for kingdom work. But it's not about the resources. It is about the people that will be touched, so in the end, we got to remember generosity and growth in giving is about understanding that God can connect a dollar with a life. A dollar. 
can lead to someone having their eyes opened to the good news of Jesus. So what we do every year around this time, and if you're new here, you're welcome. You can go on our website right now. We just posted it this morning, our annual report. And so it just lined up that um, our, our fiscal year is October through September. And so we do all our accounting. We do an annual report for you. So every, every year we put together reports on the website. If you go now, a pop-up box will be there for you to easily see it. But I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. We're, we're thrilled that 26 people were baptized in the last year with many more expressing faith in Jesus right here in this room. And today's Baptism Sunday. And if you say, you know what, I'm following the way of Jesus. Or today I choose to follow the way of Jesus. At the end, as an act of worship, we'd love to see you baptized. We, we were able to partner and plant churches in Bend, Oregon, in Spokane, Washington, San Diego, California, as well as reach out and outreaches in the UK and Estonia and Uganda. Right now, because you're just giving consistently, we're partnering with organizations to rescue children from potential sex trade. We're caring for orphans and widows. We're, we're right now connected with helping to, to, to those refugees coming into the Portland metro area who, who don't know anything about our culture. And through people serving and through dollars given, we're able to help out. And so when you go to the report, I did some of the math. 26% of what you gave to God in the last year went to people outside our church. 26%. Do your own accounting of your own resources in your own brain. What we want to do is model as a church what we hope every believer will grow into. That we'll, we'll see resources as God's and we'll be able to do it. Some of you are like, oh, percentages I don't get. $350,000 in the last 12 months just through us in these seats went out to people outside of our church on top of what God's doing in our own church. We've, I know, it's worth like, you're like, impress me, impress me, donut, please. <laughs> this... Well, I was just doing the math. I'm like, we're like six years old as a church, and this is radical giving. And I, we, when we started, we had made a commitment by faith that 20% of giving would go to things outside of our local expression. But in my gut, I was like, man, 25 just sounds better. And to think that by God's grace, we've been able to do it. And it only happens, hear this, it only happens because of radical generosity. We're seeing more kids on Sunday than ever. We're seeing more middle schoolers and high schoolers come to the church than ever. We're seeing more university students come to the church than ever. And here's the funny thing. This is how it works. As we're radically generous towards kingdom work outside, God says, I like those kids. I can trust them. And so I think the connection between God bringing more people that we can love and bless and share the gospel with is in relationship to our generosity to care for people outside these doors. And so we don't give so that we can have for us. We give because God's mission is great, which is why generosity is never a second-tier issue. It is a primary issue when you think about your discipleship to Jesus. If you want to grow as Jesus' follower, what do you do? You spend time with him, right? You want to read what God has said so that you can know it and live it. You want to spend time with God's people because Jesus had a band of, of 12 disciples and he didn't go alone. He, he was with a group of men his entire life. We want to live sacrificially. Jesus didn't come to be served. 
but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We want to live that way. But the funny thing is, I think the longer you've been in church, the more awkward it can be get, get to talk about money. Oh, that's, you know, like, wait a minute. Jesus had more to say about money than anyone else. He, when he was talking about giving, he was, he was talking about the heart of giving. What do you do? When you give, make sure your left hand doesn't do, know what the right hand is doing. He's not saying give with ignorance. Like, you know, like, go to the website and put an amount but not look at it and click and send and, and, and hope that it was small, right? Oh, $2, you know. No, that's not what he's, what, when Jesus talks about giving, he's like, don't give to show off because your father knows what you're doing in secret and he will reward you. So giving is about being connected with the character of God and saying, I want to be like him. He's generous I want to live generously. It's about understanding sacrifice. God is sacrificial, therefore I want to sacrifice as well. But let's, let's flip over for a second. That's the what of, of giving, right? We've seen that. Let's look at how. Because for some of us, we're, we're newer to this, and we want to know how, how we can give. Uh, and i got a couple of thoughts. Let's go back to Romans 12. All we get in this verse is about the gift of giving, Romans 12. Uh, verse 7, I think. But if we put it in multiple translations, it's going to bring out some color. So whenever I'm looking at the Bible, I look at it, in, in, in we use the New International Version, but I also look at in all the others to see are there, are there any distinctive English words because it's originally in Greek, and so sometimes it may take a couple of words for us to understand what it means. And we see here, the New American Standard, he who gives, give with liberality. Or uh, the New English translation, if it is contributing or giving, he must do so with sincerity. And generously, liberality, sincerity are, are all good translations. Here's what the concept is. Those with the gift of giving, which may not be everyone, but it's some in the body, and I'll get to that in a minute. The idea is giving with a singular focus of giving without any expectation or agenda. Those with the gift of giving, those with the gift of contributing, when you do it, Paul's more concerned in the Roman church, he hasn't been there yet. He assumes they know what giving is about, but he reminds them of the how. The attitude is just as important as the action. So I'm not here to compel, and we're not taking a second offering what is important, but how is equally important. So how do we approach generosity? Notice I've been interchanging giving and generosity all the way through. Because it's about both. It's about action, but generosity is more a motive of heart, right? How do we, how do we grow in this area? Three helpful reminders, and I hope you write them down and, and trust that God will help you to practice them. Number one, give with no strings attached. The kind of giving that God's looking for in Romans 12 and definitely in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is that church is a family, so the Holy Spirit is in every one of the family members. And so whenever we give to God's work, we don't give it like modern day approaches. Any company who gives is going to tout it flat out. Most companies who give, they do it to show and shine a part of the ethos of who they are as an organization. So we'll give big and we'll sponsor, but we want to be the title sponsorship. We want to be known. And frankly, in our world, there's nothing wrong. But I call that giving marketing giving. 
And, 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 it, and it may be a good cause. And I, I'm not assuming the heart is wrong. The heart may be very right. But Paul is like those who are filled with the Spirit. The idea is to give with absolutely no strings attached. When I mention that the $350,000 that we had given outside the door, that does not even include the generosity that you have towards one another. A lot of our needs are met here, not by people coming to the church, but by people going to their community, going to their friend and saying what God's happening. It, it, that doesn't even include the money that you give when you're supporting someone who's going to some other place and going on a trip. It, it doesn't include those of you who are sponsoring kids through Africa Renewal Ministries in our church plant in northern Uganda. There, that, that number is just what comes in and goes out. We're living way more generously, and I love it. We're to resist the temptation to give to get. And, and this is why how is important. What's our motive? If our motive is to convince God that we're awesome, if our motive is to say, God, I want this, therefore I'm going to release that, knowing that you are going to do this, that's called manipulation. Or if we want to be seen as someone special in the community, look at what I did, wow, I'm so humble, look at me. We give with no strings attached. Second thing, we give consistently. This is, this is the Jesus life as Paul is thinking about the teaching of Jesus and he's trying to instruct churches on how to grow. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Isn't that good? That's God's character. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So the Holy Spirit wants to work through us in the gift of giving. It's part of the package. And, and again, where would we be without those with the gift of serving? Where would we be without those with the gift of teaching? Where would we be without those with the gift of encouragement? Where would we be without those with the gift of prophecy? And we have to say, where would the church be without those with, uh, with, with the gift of giving? But let me, let me give a little bit of clarification. You don't have to be rich or wealthy to exercise the gift of giving. That's a misnomer. Some think, well, I don't have that gift because I'm barely making it. Look at the church of Macedonia. What, what Paul's saying is, as the example church is the poor church. The poor church is exercising the gift of giving. And he says that, not to make one look good over the other, is to say those with more resources, if those with little are exercising the gift, what about you? And again, I don't know anything about your personal resources but I do know about our culture, and I do know that we live in the most affluent part of the state of Oregon. The most affluent part in terms of housing and income per capita is Bethany, just over there. Lake Oswego is second. So we live in, an, now not all of us, no, I'm not, I'm not ma making a blank, but I'm saying, and by the way, we live in America. We live, uh, America, thank you. Um, uh, we live in, um, and, and because of that, when it comes to world, global wealth, you and I, even the poor of us in this room, and this may sound like an exaggeration, and I am not making light of suffering. 
there are people in this community, in this room right now, who are probably struggling to get groceries next week. And I'm not making light of that at all. But we do have food banks. We do have safety nets. And many parts of the world, there's absolutely no safety net at all. And people suffer and, hear this, starve. I'm not saying, oh, I didn't have my fourth meal today. I'm saying kids with one meal, if that. And so we have to recognize if the global church can be using and exercising the gift of generosity, so should we. So how can we give as a church? I want to be hyper-practical because the text leads us that way. I want to be specific on a few things. There's a basket that goes by. You can prepare. Remember, he says, give what you've planned in advance. Spontaneous giving is awesome as the Spirit compels you. But giving should be regular. So before you come, you ought to th- you thought about what you're going to wear. You thought about what you're going to drive. You thought about where you're going to park. You thought about what you're going to do after. We should think about, God, what is it that I should bring as an act of worship Today, so you can give in the basket. There's opportunity for that. By the way, we do it at the beginning while the kids are here because we want kids, without even talking about it, to see that giving is part of the rhythm of following Jesus. Now, most of you don't give in the basket, and we know it. But we're doing it because we want to provide that opportunity. Second, most of you give planned. So online, we use an app called PushPay. You can go to our website, click the Give tab, and you'll see. You can have it on your phone. You can do it on your computer. You can give at any point. You don't have to be in a gathering. As a matter of fact, most of the giving, and it grows every year, happens outside of Sunday because you're learning and you're growing in the gift of giving. So thank you. You can give it automated through your own bank account. You can, whether you're paid monthly or biweekly or every week, whatever, you can choose to just automatically make sure if you do that, go to our website and you'll see our physical address isn't where you mail it to. We actually have a mailing address we don't like to receive checks here because this is an event center. I'm being stupid practical, but here we go. Um, one that many of you haven't even thought about. Do you know that you can, give, you can give assets? You can give stock. Some of you, because you work for a company or this is how you invest, you can give stock. If you invested in Netflix like a year ago, it doubled. And here's the thing. Some sell it and then give and actually give less. We want to be wise in our giving. So if you have stock, you, if you sell it, you pay capital gains tax. Nothing wrong with paying tax, but wouldn't you want to give more? If you in-kind it, it's called a transferring kind, we ha- as a church have a Charles Schwab account because some of you are multiplying your giving through stock. And if you go to your, go to your broker and do a transferring kind, you don't pay capital gains, we don't pay capital gains. It means that same asset is multiplied. Same transaction, don't sell it and then give the money. Give the asset, and in that, you save, and more is, is given. Dini is our director of finance, and if you have a question, go to our website. You can email her about that. Third thing. So we're, we're supposed to give regularly, right? But give, number three, write it down, give joyfully. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if anything I've said so far is now stimulating, man, I better give, don't. (laughs) But if it's stimulated, obedience to Jesus, loving him in his mission, walking in his ways, that ought to produce joy because God 
has entrusted me with resources. So I love to hear giving stories, and there's so many. I've got to narrow it down. Um, I, I told them right beforehand. I forgot to text them earlier. But there's a couple in here, Dustin and Andrea, that adopted a young boy from China. It's just a beautiful thing. They have kids of their own, but living generously isn't just about giving cash. It's about choosing to use God's resources for another child. So they brought uh, a, a young boy from China into their home. What you didn't know and ought to is they're also sponsoring a child. We, as a church, made a commitment of 150 children to be sponsored in Arua, Uganda, because that's where we planted a church. We're seeing some serious Jesus work there. And we asked you to sponsor a child. So they were also sponsoring a child. So have their own children, bringing in a child, and sponsoring a child. Well, that child got out of uh, the school, and for some reason, I don't know, is out of the program. Maybe they moved away. We don't know. But they got notification that that child is no longer in the program. And, and we get a report of how many are sponsored. It's our responsibility to make sure everyone's covered. And so we got a report that, oh, their child left the program. Before we can do anything, Dustin called and said, hey, our child is no longer in. Is there another child in need? See, that's radical generosity. That was a perfect opportunity to say, whew, like, okay, God, we did, what, we did what we were called to do. They no longer need. But instead, the spirit of generosity, the gift of giving said, ooh, there may be another child. And it turns out there is. Um, as, a, as a side note, just as connected to that, we do have, uh, a year ago we did the sponsorship. It's our responsibility to make sure every child is sponsored. In the course of a year, about 10% of the people who are sponsoring uh, can no longer. They move away, their finances change, and that's totally, we expect it. <laughs> Ironically, of the 150, how many need a sponsor right now? 15. So that's, we're about the average. And so what we've done is today, there are 15 of these packets. The giving doesn't happen to our church. We partner with another organization. And if you'd like to do that, you say, you know what? Maybe radical generosity is a commitment of $40 a month. You can have it automatically taken out of your bank account. It doesn't go to us. It goes straight to this work of this child. It turns out I picked out one of the 15. And who, who did I pick out? Mercy is her name. Uh, Mercy Prisca. And uh, she was born on July 29th of 2011. And right now, we can, we can be a part of God's work. So if you say, Jose, you know what? God's been stirring us about doing something. If the Holy Spirit is saying yes to this, all 15 of these packets will be on the main table outside. Ryan, one of our leaders, will be there. And, and you, can, you can sponsor that child. So why give, though, to your church? This is additional giving. Why should we give faithfully, though, to our, our, our local church with so many causes to support? Why, why give here? Just a story from this week. There was a woman who reached out to the church. She doesn't go here. She doesn't go to any church because she's in need. She just, uh, she just stepped out of homelessness. She was homeless, worked with an organization for her to get a job, some skills, an apartment. And uh, she was let go from her job. And so she got caught in a tough place. So she started reaching out to organizations, including ours. Well, we take it seriously. So two of our leaders went and met with her. And all she needed was a little bit of help for December's rent because she got another job, but she has zero cash. And so she hasn't been working for a couple of weeks, and she's not getting any income and aid. And so she was not asking 
for a handout. She's like, I'm in a pinch and I just need to get through and was very clear and don't give it to me. You can give it straight to our apartment rental company. I just need my rent paid. And so by God's grace, we were able to do it. And you as a community are involved in helping someone who lives just down the road. And they asked wisely, hey, would you be open? Are, are you open to faith? And she's like, you know, I would never stop into a church because I, I don't know anyone there. But no one's invited me. Whoa. Here's someone who lives in our community who's just slipped through the cracks. She's not been invited. And, and we give her no strings attached. She wasn't like, here, the check is in our door. You know, no. We love in Jesus' name. Some of you are like, you should do that. No. Um, we love in Jesus' name, and we give with no strings attached. We want to love people. We want to see people encounter and experience life in Jesus. So no one's invited me, really sticks with me. Because of your regular giving here, we find out about more needs than probably you do individually. So we're just, we're simply saying we're better together. And if we give faithfully to God together, God is going to stir up all sorts of needs and we're going to serve and love people. All right. So some people have the gift of giving. Catch this. Some of you, you probably even know who you are. You get a little giddy about it. And you, you know that God's primary way is you see some need and you just go out there and meet it. You love it. You enjoy it. You're stimulated by it. My word to you is keep going. Thank you and keep going. By the way, many of you are giving regularly, faithfully. And, and this isn't a like, why aren't you doing what you're doing? Many of you are. But if you've got that gift, recognize it as from God for the good of the body. But even if you don't have the gift of giving, all of us can give. And so not everyone's going to prophesy, but anyone can. Not everyone's going to be gifted in teaching or encouragement, but anyone can. And same thing when it comes to giving. Giving isn't just for a few, those with the gift. I'm a server. I don't financially contribute. No, it's a part of discipleship to Jesus. So my word to you is take the first step. My word to you is if you're giving nothing to this church and this is what you call your home, give something. And maybe it's not sacrificial to start, but if you start and you regularly give, what you're going to find is the spirit of Jesus is going to encourage you to grow it in the proportion that God is leading. And where he's leading us all is over-the-top sacrificial giving. Why? Because that's his character. So it's not about us getting more money. It's about us pooling more money to invest more money in Jesus' work here and around the world. And so the more that comes in, the more we're able to give. And what do we see? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you... 26 West Church, you will abound in every good work. That is God's will for you. It is God's will for me. So two questions to lead us to response and worship because we need to respond. Number one, do you believe that God is generous? That's, that, that's, so if, if we're going to even engage in this, we have to first believe that God is generous. Secondly, do we believe that God can take care of our needs? as we focus on the needs of others. Because that's the heart of giving. It's I'm focused on you, trusting that God knows what I need. 
And when I live that way, when we live that way, everyone's need is met. And by the way, there's more than enough. You go to the, the giving report, you're going to find is not only were we able to give 26% away, $350,000 away, but God even gave us a surplus to invest in a savings account to be ready for this next year's giving. Wow. Over-the-top generosity leads to over-the-top provision to live generous. All right. There's room to grow. Why don't we stand our feet and let's ask the Spirit of God to stir us. Let's ask Him to stir us. And uh, by the way, some of you, this is no joke, some of you may be stirred to respond with giving because you're like, for whatever reason, you've been just, you haven't thought about it. No one's taught you about it. Or you've been resistant. Here's what you could do as an act of worship. You probably want to slip to the back because it'll look really weird if you're on your phone. We've already taken our offering with the baskets. As an act of worship to God, you can slip to the back and get your device and give to the church, to God's work right now. And say, God, my hands are up. That's worship. My voice is open and loud. That's worship. And your bank account, God, is yours. And that's worship. Whatever way is appropriate, respond. Lord, thank you that you have been generous and your grace is abundant. And out of that love, that sacrificial love that we see displayed perfectly in Jesus, we want to grow up, God, and live like him especially in the area of resources. And so God, start with our heart. If there's something within, maybe it's a scandal we, we heard about or saw. Maybe it's financial mismanagement, a disorganization that made us cynical. Maybe it's just, God, our own desire for more junk. God, whatever it is, we are exposed in your sight because we know that you love us. We ask you to deal with us at the heart, and we know, God, as you get our heart, our, our actions are going to follow. So meet us, we pray, in Jesus' name.